0: Hello and welcome to this fireside chat with Ben Todd, where we'll be discussing the latest thinking from 80,000 Hours and answering some of the questions you submit. I'm Habiba and I'll be the MC for this session. Ben Todd is the CEO and co-founder of 80,000 Hours, where I work in the advising team. He's the lead author of the Key Ideas page, which introduces some of ATK's most important ideas and advice on having a high impact career. Today we'll be talking about those ideas. Just to get us started, I'll uh, start off by asking uh, Ben. Um, could you tell us the uh, what's new with Key Ideas at the moment?
1: Cool well, yeah, thanks, Habiba, and um, hi everyone. So yeah, the main new thing on Key Ideas is that we've we're adding a plan your career process. So this is a whole new section of the site, and the idea is that it like asks you all the key questions you need to do to figure out your own individual career plan. And it's like it aims to kind of be useful no matter which cause or which options you want to focus on. Um, And instead, it's like a kind of fully general process that anyone can work through to uh, figure out their plan.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So at the moment, I guess Key Ideas, as it is, is kind of structured. So it takes you through those like key points. And this process summary is going to give people a bit more of a a sort of um, a worked way of getting through the ideas when they're applying it to their own career.
1: Yeah, we're hoping it'll eventually be like the key ideas page is the main concepts and then the plan your career um, page is the, all the like practical advice.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds very helpful for people in the audience, hopefully. Um,
1: yeah, and, No, uh... I Well, yeah, I'm I'm hoping it will address some of the kind of like gaps or problems people face applying our advice currently. Because like we have this list of priority paths that gets um, highlighted a lot on the key ideas page. But mm-hmm. that's like um, only like a, not everyone is a good fit for those paths. Or you might be like facing like other options which aren't on those, which are also good. And so like we're hoping that like this enables people to still like apply a lot of our advice, even if you're like not interested in those particular parts. Mm
0: -hmm. Cool. Okay. So as uh, at least you can see some questions are coming in, but as those come in a bit more, I was wondering if you could walk us through some of the main points in the process summary. So um, yeah, how does it, what's the overall structure, I guess?
1: Yeah, it kind of, it goes from like long-term to short-term and like we kind of start with A bit about just like what to aim for in general and like what does the filling high impact career look like Uh, and then maybe not a surprise but then we talk about um thinking about which causes to work on which is kind of like um big topic in ea Mm -hmm. but then yeah after that we then go on to like which long-term parts to aim for Mm -hmm. um and then your career strategy and getting towards those and then your next career moves and next actions like trying to then go like practical at at the end um yeah, and so yeah, there's like a bunch of points we could make about each section. It's like a, it's a pretty long, pretty long process <laughs> at this point. Um, but yeah, it's like it's aiming to take you through like everything you need to cover. Mm-hmm. So that like, if you really thought through all these stages, then you're like doing the best you can to make a good career plan, which is like mm-hmm. all anyone can do.
0: It's the kind of thing that I really wish there was when I was at university and I was thinking about what to do with my career as I was leaving. I think 80K was, 80,000 hours was just starting at that point. Um, So I guess one of the things that we, uh, uh, that I think you're going to be covering in the process summary is around the strategies you can take when you're um, planning your career. Um, Can you talk through sort of some of those, some of the options that you might have for that?
1: Yeah, one like new of it in the process summary is we, in the kind of, in the middle, once you have some ideas for long-term options, before you get into the short-term options, we talk about like four types of career strategy you can take. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first two of those are kind of like aiming at impact um, directly. So one is just like try and find a specific way of um, contributing to a pressing global problem and then just mm-hmm. like commit to that. So that would be something like trying to be a global produce researcher, kind of, like very directed. And that's kind of what people are like maybe most focused on in our advice. Um, but then there's like a second strategy, which um, maybe gets overlooked a bit more, um, and that involves just building some kind of transferable career capital skills um, and then figuring out later how to apply that to pressing global problems. Um, and yeah, like that doesn't necessarily mean just like, a, like um, like consulting or something like that, but like it could also be something like being a journalist or like working in government and, and like working your way up uh, the, say the civil service. Or, um, and then that could give you like, then you could work on like many different projects in the future. Um, and then, yeah, there's like two other ones. So one is like, we one is like exploring lots of options to try and figure out what to do. (laughs) Um, So that's like kind of comes before the others. And then the fourth one is almost the like, not have a strategy strategy, which like we're calling opportunism. And so that's just like, take good next steps, even if you're not sure where they'll lead. And um, I think that one makes the most sense later career, when you already have a lot of career capital and then later career strategy is more about using that career capital to take opportunities as you find them um, to have an impact.
0: Uh, yeah. So I was just wondering, so presumably if your career plan is, is sort of taking one of these options, uh, do you think that someone at the stage of sort of at the end of their university undergraduate degree has to sort of decide which of these paths, like which at this, you know, fork, which strategy to go for either like bet on a particular approach or do the more general career capital building thing first?
1: Um. Well, so norm- early career, the one that you might most focus on would be like the exploring thing. So then mm-hmm. that would be like, try and get some very vague ideas about what you might do longer term and then consider trying out several of them in some, if possible. Uh, That's like, sometimes that makes sense, especially like um, first one or two jobs. Uh, Just like depending on how certain, like how uncertain you are and like how easy it will be to test things. Like um, if it's like very costly to do lots of tests, then you might just have to make your best guess. But then, yeah, after that, I think it is often good to try to bet on one of the other two approaches, which was either like, kind of going directly towards solving a present problem or going directly towards trying to gain a specific type of career capital um, and then like trying to build that, build that up over the next 10 or 20 years. Of course, you might well be wrong in your first guess and then you can like switch to something else in a few years. Um, You don't have to be right first time.
0: yeah. and I think I find, so in advising, I talk to people one-to-one about their careers. And I think I tend to find that people earlier in their career maybe underestimate how long their career is going to be and how much opportunity they have for sort of switching paths and sort of even spending one or two years just doing something that ends up being quite different to something you do later is not necessarily a misstep and it's not necessarily a particularly bad thing to do like early on. If you're going to be working for sort of 40 years or something, uh, one or two years working out whether or not you like something, um, and building some useful skills along the way is really not that bad, I think, to do in a lot of cases. Okay. Yeah, totally.
1: I mean, I, th- I think it's an interesting balancing act mm-hmm. where some people, like, don't even make a long-term plan. They just, like, kind of do steps, um, which seem good at the time. Mm-hmm. And, like, that can sometimes even be the best strategy, but, like, I think often it's better to at least have a long-term plan. Mm-hmm. But then some people get really obsessed with, like, trying to figure out exactly what they're going to do long-term, which you can't, you can't figure that out ahead of time. Yeah. Um, so like some people need to do like more long-term planning. Other people need to, um, need to just take something and then see how it turns out. Um, and so you can try to kind of like think about where your balance might be currently and, um, but yeah, you want to see like a bit of both and it's, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. This relates to one of the questions that we've had in from the audience, uh, which is, do you have any advice for combating decision paralysis or just the tendency to avoid doing serious career planning? So I guess, yeah, advice for trying to find this sweet spot.
1: Um, well, so on decision paralysis,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, I think one big thing we say, and which emphasize a lot in the process summary is get, get your options on the table and then try and figure out what your key uncertainties are with them. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's easy to kind of worry for ages about things that either like you can't figure out or won't really change your ranking. But Mm -hmm. like a key uncertainty is supposed to be something where you could get new information and it would change your ranking. And like, those are the things that you want to try and identify. And then like, uh, then you can then once you've identified those you have a choice you can either like do more research and figure them out um or like go and talk to people or try things um or you just have to take a a best guess (laughs) um Mm. like and that that there is like a you know there's a difficult question about exactly how much research to do but I think yeah by by kind of like initially focusing on the things that are most relevant to the decision you can uh yeah be like at least focusing on the key questions and yeah um sometimes with uh the kind of decision paralysis thing, yeah, people will just be, um, they'll be just kind of seeing these questions in like a really abstract level where it's like, oh, how could I possibly compare these things? But mm-hmm. breaking it down to like this very specific questions can uh, really help. Yeah, but then cool. yeah. I and mean,
0: also, I guess it's only so far sort of just just thinking about the problem is going to get you. I think that when we talk about long term career planning and things, we don't just mean sitting down with a spreadsheet or sort of writing things down and like raking your lists of what you like. Part of the planning process is also maybe doing these tests and actually getting some like more information to actually inform your decision.
1: Yeah, that would be definitely the second point I would make is like mm-hmm. considering both like investigating things rather than um, just kind of trying to figure it out from the armchair. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, maybe the third thing would just be, like, sometimes you'll just be really uncertain, but have to, like, choose something anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always possible to get to a, a situation where you are, like, fully kind of aligned with the decision. It might mm-hmm. just be, like, you have two really good options and there's, like, not really much to say between them and you just have to pick one. Yeah. But, yeah, and then maybe the fourth point is, like, you do then, you can always, like, change in a few years. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that yeah. would be the... The other thing is to like think of it as an iterative process where you're taking a step for a few years and you're revising your plan and and carrying on rather than, again, trying to figure out everything right at the start.
0: Yeah, I think that framing definitely helps people, like certain people to sort of take the pressure off the decision a bit. Um, Makes sense. Um, cool. Okay. So just to dive into some of the other questions that we've had through from the audience, the top voted question at the moment is around how our advice at 80,000 Hours is interpreted. So the, the first question is, the top question is, um, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions of uh, 80,000 Hours advice and thoughts? Um,
1: hmm. I mean, I think, the, I think the misconceptions have reduced a lot in recent years. <laughs> <That's> um, <good. laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe I'm out of touch. Uh, but I mean, one, one, one big thing is like, it's not necessarily a misconception, but just like, uh, people often think that we kind of think like everyone has to go into the priority paths or only our very most promising problems. Mm -hmm. And that's partly because like concrete options are so salient. Like we can talk about all these like process summaries, like the career plan, plan your career summaries kind of advice all the time where it's like make a list of options, compare them based on your criteria, these kind of like more abstract bits of advice. But when you just see a list of careers, that's like going to be so much more memorable. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think people slightly overweight them. And like, we'd want people to take personal fit really seriously and Mm -hmm. it could well be worth doing something that's not on our list if you're a better personal fit with it. Um, And then also we want people like to be exploring other paths. So, you know, even if people were like, you know, fully agreed with all our, our advice, and we're just willing to like do whatever. Um, we wouldn't want like everyone to go into the priority paths. We'd want like maybe like twenty or thirty percent of people to be exploring other things. And so, yeah, I think what well, Arden's going to be talking about that in our in a, a talk after this.
0: Great. Okay. Uh, So uh, people have a few more questions around the kind of career planning strategy uh, stuff that you talked about. So one thing, one question is, uh, is around EV calculations. So the question is, how should one choose between a career with a low probability of having a massive impact and a high probability of having a lesser but still meaningful impact? Um, Is a simple uh, EV calculation enough? Or should we incline towards risk aversion to ensure more tractable progress? You have a, a view on this
1: um okay yeah there's quite a bit that could be said there but um Uh the one one thing that might be helpful to start with would be dividing into like your impact goals and your personal goals Mm -hmm. and so like from a personal life perspective it definitely makes sense to be risk-averse um because like like doubling your income is um well so getting fifty thousand dollars of extra income is like not nearly as good as the badness of losing $50,000 of income. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah get what I mean? Like, um,
0: mm-hmm. losses,
1: worth gains, yeah. roughly speaking. So then from a personal point of view, you would want to take a lot of effort to mitigate risks. From an altruistic point of view, or like from an impact point of view. So at a community level, there's reasons to avoid risks, uh, big risks, because um, the community is like so big that there is some diminishing returns and then that can make, that can mean like, again, like kind of doubling the size of the community isn't as good as um, reducing the community, like the badness of reducing it to zero. I'm not explaining it very well, but like um, that kind of creates a similar reason for risk aversion as mm-hmm. with the individual case. Mm-hmm. Um, but then because we're all just like one individual within this much larger community, we're just working at the margin. And so it, at this like small margin of just one person. There's not many diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would mean there's, like, not that much reason for us to be risk-averse. Um, and so then we could basically just go with expected value, um, at least on a conceptual level. <laughs> um, and then there's, like, a lot of practical questions about, like, you know, if, you've, if this is some really speculative estimate, then there's a good chance that it's wrong. Um, and so, like, you wouldn't necessarily just want to go with, like, the raw expected value estimate. You'd need to also adjust it for... Mm-hmm. Uh, regression to the mean and this chance of being wrong and so on um so there's a kind of like practical knowledge question which is like how much should you trust just some um, like ev calculations that seem like they're saying something's really good even if it's um not very robust
0: mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah no i think that was very well explained um the the first point that you made around the uh sort of what should one person do as an individual versus what sh- um should we do when you're considering uh your career within the context of the a community like the effective altruism community I think is like a really important one and I think again in some ways it takes a little bit more of the personal pressure off an individual decision because you can um yeah if you think about your place within a group of people who are all aiming to try and do as much good you don't need to obsess as much about the sort of uh uh where's the perfect niche that needs like one extra person working on it you should sort of be considering like there's the whole effective action community that is all aiming to do this thing together and sort of you know that sort of in some ways takes the pressure off a little bit kind of uh, just trying to do your own like tiny optimization uh calculation and also in some ways like changes the calculation a bit um because it means it's yeah i guess
1: i'm i'm not sure it actually makes the calculation easier (laughs) okay just different it's different yeah
0: Uh Um, but there are some yeah I don't know, I was going to say, from, on a personal level, I think it takes a little bit of the pressure off it for me, but maybe maybe that's a bit different from making the calculation actually easier. Yeah, I mean, it,
1: I think it can take the pressure off in the sense of, like, if you gamble on something and it doesn't work out, then that's fine, because, like, lots of other people are gambling on different things, and, like, all mm-hmm. the matters is, like, some of them work out, and so yeah. that's that can be that can be reassuring okay I think (laughs) I think that's reassuring
0: um and I think we maybe have uh, a few people watching who are sort of working within university groups so a couple of people have asked about um sort of communicating ideas around kind of careers advice to the people that they're with they're sort of uh, interacting with so I don't know if you have any advice that you'd give for local group organizers that are trying to give careers advice or maybe even community college um, students as someone else has asked
1: um is there like a like in in what sense like uh
0: I think perhaps the idea is um uh maybe it's worth talking about what the audience for 80,000 hours careers advice is and how that might be slightly different or how people might want to tailor it if they're talking to to different groups
1: yeah I mean I suppose uh well I mean there's a few there are a few different options so we still have the old um 80,000 hours like the 2017 career guide on the website Mm -hmm. and yeah we wrote that was basically written it's like a bit less focused on maximizing impact and a bit more focused on like satisfying job um and they and aims to be like a bit more digestible and has got more traffic so it's like kind of like more popular with like a larger large number of people mm-hmm. um so that's like you can consider using those things as well or you think that might be a better fit for your group um and then yeah we have the key ideas page itself which um I mean, it's like fairly direct. I mean, I would say, yeah, the, the main bit that the main bit that is like only relevant if people want to like really go for some like really difficult, ambitious thing is the priority paths bit. Um and like we've I guess to some extent some of the like most niche problems are like harder to enter. So like AI safety. Mm-hmm. Um besides that, the kind of general advice we are aiming for like, you know, that could that could be used by pretty much anyone. And so like hopefully the process summary also makes Ooh. that obvious. So yeah maybe maybe it's just a matter of like thinking about which bits would be most useful to your audience and then yeah i mean there is a i guess there is an interesting question like sometimes people think um like going straight in with like the slightly weirder things like like long-termism and ai safety um or even like a bunch of philosophy like the key ideas page kind of starts with talking about impartiality and what that means Mm -hmm. um like puts people off or like isn't well so it's, it's it's true that it's like probably not as broadly appealing but then mm-hmm. i think just talking about like big ideas is really appealing to a lot of people who like get a bo- get interested in effects altruism later so like some people are like well we should talk about something really common sense like um more like global health or climate change to start with and then try and get people interested in the more unusual things later but mm-hmm. i'm actually like really unsure that is the best approach because um it may maybe like appeals to more people initially but it might not be as appealing to the kind of people who just like like really interesting, intellectual, like unusual ideas, which is like often the, pe- the people who do get most interested later.
0: Yeah, I think it's an interesting point around uh, sort of perhaps the first few chapters of The Precipice um, by Toby Ord that was published earlier this year makes quite, um, I think, in a lot of ways, intuitive and quite compelling case for like caring about the value of the far future without it being perhaps too technically philosophy focused or something and so like maybe there are ways of talking about this kind of cause prioritization and like what actually matters without it being too off-putting
1: yeah that's almost a slightly different point but I think also good which is that these ideas have also like they were a lot weirder 10 years ago but they've become like much more mainstream um and partly by better framing like what Toby's done and just partly also I think I mean like yeah like a few years ago like we used to use like pandemic as an example of like uh, like unusual, neglected cause that no one was talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I hopefully, hopefully,
1: nuclear I hope war doesn't go that way as well.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I hope so. um And uh, I guess one thing I would add on the like, just to back on the sort of point around. Um, careers advice for people working with university groups and things um it's maybe worth saying that sort of uh um the that you might be wanting to do a slightly different thing than maybe I do in my advising course, for example and uh, people who've put together really good resources on that are people within the kind of university group space so I think the folks from EA Oxford Hugh Thomas and um Alex Holness-Toffs I think are doing an actual workshop on this at the student summit session and have really good advice and they have a forum post about um, the kind of the ways that they structure their kinds of careers advice sessions. I think, um, spoiler alert, I think some of the the content of what they're saying is that like actually they find our resources incredibly useful as as resources to use for those kinds of sessions but maybe um, have specific ways that they might tailor it for a particular audience. Great. Um, I think we have time for one last question. Um, So I'm going to pick the, how about, Um, another question around kind of varying uh, careers advice for different kinds of groups so just wondering about how much you think the most impactful careers differ from country to country
1: yeah we haven't done so we we don't really do much research outside of English speaking like rich countries Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah I basically just haven't thought about that question as much I would I would say that people could use the same kind of broad categories that we talk about so like research like Working in directly impactful organisations like nonprofits, um, government careers, earning to give, mm-hmm. uh, and then like kind of like applying unusual skills, which we have like on the key ideas page. Um, and I think those are like, those are like sufficiently general that you can kind of like always think of options in those categories, um, at least, yeah, for like, the kinds of people that are reading in 2000 hours. Um, so, yeah, but kind of beyond that, I have I can't be more specific about that. Uh,
0: mm-hmm that makes sense it's um, all of this is reminded me of various resources and blog posts we've got there's an interesting one about that you wrote recently around what 8000 hours will and won't do within the effect of altruism community which people might want to look up um there's another one about there's an advice on how to read our advice article that we have that sort of speaks to one of the questions that we had earlier as well but i'm afraid that is i think all the time that we have for this um fireside chat but if you are interested in hearing more discussions with ben about our key ideas series then do check out the 80,000 hours podcast with ben discussing key ideas in more depth and then also his recent conversations with Arden who is up next about the varieties of long-termism and one on the core argument for effective altruism and I found that one particularly I found really fascinating and um a lot of new content for for me uh, particularly as well so I really enjoyed that.
1: Okay yeah thanks Habiba and also just one final thing is um if you're keen particularly keen to see a draft of the um plan your career process then you can email Arden and she can share you on a draft version. So she's um, at AK, so that's her initials, at 80,000hours.org. Fabulous. Thanks, Ben. And thank you all for yeah, thanks watching. So much. Thanks, bye.